Good morning. My name is Jeff. I'm so glad you uh, chose to join us here at Bridgewater Conklin this morning. Thank you for being a part of our worship this morning. Didn't our worship team do a great job again this morning? I just wanted to uh, introduce, since um, a couple other people, yeah, the young lady standing here is from Halstead. Her name is Mrs. Depew. I think her first name is Emily, correct? Emily Depew. So she, uh, she, one of the things we do at Bridgewater is we're better together, and so we're able to have people come and help us. So uh, I'm so glad that the worship team is here, and so thankful that she came and joined us to be part of our worship team this morning. So thank you. Uh, I'm just going to get a little, I'm all set now. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. If you have a hard copy of God's Word, or if you have an electronic device, you can fire that up. Or if you'd like, they'll be here on the screen as well as we go through our message this morning, Matthew chapter 6. We are in week two of our three-week series dealing and unpacking prayer. And uh, like I said last week, I just want to open with the same thing. There probably isn't going to be anything new that you hear today. If you've been in church at all, or you've been in church most of your life, some of the some of the things I'm going to say you've heard before, you've heard preached before. There's no new lost Greek translation or something of a word where the heavens open up and you're like, oh my word, that's brand new. Now I, can, now I know why, how, how prayer works or whatever. But just like last week, it's my hope and prayer, just like I mentioned last week, it's my hope and prayer that as you listen to God's word through my voice today, that maybe you'll think of something or hear something and think about it a little differently. Or I never thought of it that way. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. And when you leave today, I hope you leave with a different perspective than you came in with when it comes to prayer and, and things like that, of prayer. So last week, we unpacked the password, we call it, or the cheat code, if you will, on understanding and seeing how God does indeed answer our prayers. And we showed you this slide. And these, this is the password or the cheat code of God answers, God answers all our prayers. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not now or not yet. And often he says not like that. And we added the words go, no, slow, and grow. So we know that God answers all our prayers. Sometimes he says yes, go ahead. And this is the most favorite one. We love it when he says yes. Sometimes he says no, and often when we hear, when, when the answer is no, we take it as, man, he didn't answer yet. Yeah, no is a response. No is a, is a response to a question. This one is the one that we, these two might be the ones we struggle with the most. Yeah, not yet. Just slow down. I'm going to answer it, but answer it on my own time. Or, not like that. I need you to grow. One of the things we know, no matter what it is, God always answers our prayers. It'll be for our benefit and for his glory. No matter what, it'll always be for our benefit and it'll always be to give him glory. One of the takeaways that I had from last week is that often God will answer my prayers with one of these two. One of these two. Yeah, not yet, not right now, yeah, not like that for this reason. He'll keep me in this difficult situation, whatever it may be, because he, he knows he needs to grow my patience. I need to be a little more patient. Uh, you might not know this about me, but I get a little frustrated, get a little anxious, you know, get behind slow cars on the highway or whatever. You know, I, I, need, my, I need patience. And he knows that I need to keep depending on him. If he takes us out of a situation that we're in, a hard situation, 
It could be that we say, okay, I don't need to trust God anymore because I don't need to depend on Him. So often He'll say to me, yeah, not yet. I need you to learn to depend on me. And just like we finished up last week, just maybe, just maybe, some of the struggles we're going through here at Conklin, you know, we're looking for a pastor. Has he said yes yes for a pastor? He hasn't said yes yet. Has he said no? I don't think he's going to say no. But he's definitely said, yeah, not now. And maybe he said, yeah, not like that. When you, when, you look at what's going, when you look at what's going on in Conklin here and you look at it through this grid, you wonder, is he, is he taking us down here because he wants us to learn to rely on him and not on man and not on men? That's something that I took away from last week and it's something I challenged us with at the close last week. So as we get started today, I have a question for us to ponder, a question to unpack. And the question is this, have you ever felt that your prayers were ineffective? Felt like your prayers were ineffective, like there's a glass ceiling, and when you pray, they just stop at the glass ceiling, and like, I don't get it. What's going on? And I would have to raise my hand and say, yep, I've lived in that neighborhood before. I know exactly what you're talking about. I have felt that my prayers have been effective, and I've often asked why. Why are my prayers ineffective? Lord, I'm praying the way you told me to pray. I'm praying for the things that I think you want me to pray about, so why are my prayers ineffective? So today, hopefully, we can answer that question. It's my hope and prayer that we answer that question. I have two keys, two truths that will help us have powerful, effective prayer. Powerful, effective prayer, because we know that the Bible speaks about prayer a lot. God wants us to pray. There's over 360 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer. Let's read just a few of them here on the screen. Jeremiah 33, 3. These are from the Old Testament. Call me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Next verse is Jeremiah, our second Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will answer them. Let's look at some from the New Testament. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. That's praying who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And finally, James chapter 5, verse 16b says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And that's where we want to be. Where do we want to, this is where we want to be, and how do we get there? See, there's no doubt that God wants us to pray. There's no doubt he's anxious for our prayers. And like we talked about and learned last week, he's anxiously waiting and listening. He, like, he, when he sees our name come up on his cell phone, he goes, oh, I'll talk to them later and puts, let, lets it go to voicemail. He never does that. He's, he's, he has a special ringer for you when you call to him. He's always going to answer. He's never going to let it go to voicemail. So, so because we know God wants us to pray, and because we know that he's always going to answer our, pr- our prayers, and he's never going to let it go to voicemail, how do we get past this feeling that our prayers are ineffective? How do we become people of powerful prayers, like all those P's in there, people of powerful prayers. Well, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Hopefully you're already there, and let's, let's unpack this passage together. Matthew chapter 6, it'll be here on the screen, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So let's stop right there. This is a... This is a a teaching from Jesus of how not to pray. He says powerful prayers 
are not ones with big elaborate words or fancy Christian ease, Christian lingo. And you've, maybe you've prayed this way or been in churches. Oh, our Heavenly Father, the omnipotent, the omniscient, yeah, that big word, Lord, the Alpha and Omega, the I am of Abraham. We thank you that you are all, you know, big, huge words. No, Jesus says, hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues so that they may be seen by others. Jesus says a pretty quick way to get a no to your prayer is try to impress other people with your prayers. Don't try to impress other people with your prayers. Let's continue on in, the, in verses 6 and 7. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Okay, go to your room. This, this talks about humility here. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, you're praying in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Let's stop right there. See, Jesus says, instead of using big words and being on a street corner, our prayer should be marked by humility and secrecy. He says, go into your room by yourself, close the door, pray in secret. Then God will reward your prayers. See, could it be the reason that we get a no for our, our prayer is because our prayers have really been about making our spiritual status look good in front of other people instead of bringing glory to God? Could it be that he says no because, yeah, your prayer isn't about bringing glory to God, it's about bringing glory to you? Yeah, I don't know. Or like we said last week, maybe we're praying for things that will make us less dependent on God and God wants us to be more dependent on him. It's things, things to consider, things to consider. Let's continue on verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. You recognize that as the Lord's Prayer or some call it the Disciples' Prayer. That's a very easy way and simple way for how God wants us to pray. That brings us to our first point. Here it is on the screen. To become powerful prayers or to have effective and powerful prayers is to pray God's will. Pray God's will. See, effective prayers are centered on bringing God's will into my life and not my will into His. Do you, do you understand the difference? Effective prayers that are powerful are bring God's will to my life, making my heart adjust to Him, not the other way around. See, my prayer life cannot be directly tied to the results that I expect or that I demand. And so often the things I want God to do for me are unhealthy or they're selfish. And he always knows what's best for me. You know, last week we talked about my grandson crawling around the house and trying to do things that are, un are dangerous for him. The same is true for God. We're, we're, sometimes we'll pray for things that he knows, yeah, I need to keep you away from that one because you don't know how bad that may hurt you. Gordon MacDonald in his book, Ordering Your Private World, it's a great book, he makes a statement that says it so clearly, and I want to read it to you here on the screen. I've begun to see that worship and intercession, that's praying for request, are far more the business of aligning myself with God's purposes than asking Him to align with mine. Did you catch that? Align myself with God's purposes than asking Him to align with mine. 
So this is what he's saying. I'm bringing my request to God. I'm bringing my request to my good and loving Father. I'm laying them at his feet. And I'm trusting that he will align my heart with his will, what's best for me. I'm trusting that he's going to change my heart to accept what he has for me. That gives me great confidence in my prayer life. Look what it says here in 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have whatever we asked of him. I love how John says this. Look at the next slide here. This is the confidence. When I'm praying, I have confidence because I'm asking according to his will. I have confidence because I'm asking according to his will. So now the question becomes this. What is his will in some of these circumstances? What is God's will for our life in, in some of these circumstances? Or will for our, his, what is his will for our life overall? When I was in high school, they said over and over and over, you got to search to find God's will. You need to be in the center of God's will. Pray that you can find the center of God's will. You have to be in the center of God's will. And it was almost like it was hidden. Like you had to search for it. Like, where is it? Okay, is this it? Or is this it? Or I don't know. Where is it? And but you can find God's will in the Bible. It is so very simple to find God's will. Here are some things that are clearly God's will. Obey your parents. That's God's will. Obey the government. That's God's will. Love one another. Attend church. It says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's God's will. You know what else is God's will? God wants us to go and make more and better disciples. He wants us to be involved in other people's lives. There are so many verses in the Bible that talks about one another. Pray for one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. That's God's will. Glorify Him. Those are clearly outlined in Scripture as the will of God. There's no guessing. Those are things that we can pray about that are the will of God. See, God will not give us what we're asking for if we're not asking something that's in His will or if we're asking against His will. See, if we ask for something that's, if we ask for something in selfish mo- with selfish motives, yeah, you're probably going, not going to get a yes if you ask for selfish motives. Maybe you ask him to, uh, you're a high school student or a college student, Lord, I didn't study last night, so please help me read the answers that I have written real small on my hand to pass my test. Help me cheat. Help me not to get caught when I leave work early today. Yeah, that's probably going to get a no. You know, if you ask him to bless you in some circumstances that you know are outside of his will, that are sin, yeah, he's probably going to get a no for that one as, you, as well. You see, God's will is his desired plans. And we can see that in the scripture, though some of those things I just mentioned, but there is a very clear and perfect example from Jesus. Reed actually talked about it this morning. We were talking about uh, in, our, in, our, in our time back there for communion with the worship team. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for something and, Jesus, and God told him, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. It was, it was the day before he went to trial, a couple days before he died on the cross. And he prayed that, the, his God, his, he prayed that God, his Father, would remove something. Look at Mark chapter 14. Here it is. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. You know what Jesus was praying? He said, Lord, everything's possible. You can do anything to fulfill your, your, your purpose on this earth. 
I don't want to go through the agony and the pain that I'm about to go through. I don't want to feel the rejection. I don't want to bear the sins on my life. I don't want to, I don't want to feel that agony. Yet not what I will, what you will. God said, hey, you have to go through with this. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus said, Lord, you know what, I, you know what I'm asking for. You know I want to avoid this pain that's about to be put on me. But... He ended his prayer by saying, not what I will, what you will. He's saying, Lord, you know what I want, you know what I'm hoping for, but I recognize that your will must be accomplished. And if that means that there's no other way for it to happen, then I totally understand. And I want your will to be preeminent, not mine. Not what I want, but what you want will your own and it's like that quote that we just had on the screen here a few minutes ago here it is again please align my will with yours that's what jesus said please align my will with yours god please align my will with yours see even though we don't know all of god's purposes and specific plans for our life even when he says no not yet slow down not like that we can demonstrate jesus's attitude of humility and prayer we can say, okay, will, God, your will be done. I don't understand it. You know what we're asking for, but please let your will be preeminent. As many of you know, I go on wilderness trips in Canada, and often we'll start the day out, we always start the day out with prayer, and often we'll pray, pray prayers like, Lord, we would, please don't let it rain today. Please let the wind be at our backs. Uh, please let us get there safely, and we'd love to get to the next campsite before dark because it's hard to set up the tents in the dark and when it's raining. There's nothing selfish about that, right? There's nothing outside of God's will to pray like those things, right? But did you notice that it didn't quite fit what we're talking about here? So here's some adjustments we had to make. We said, Lord, you know what we'd like? We'd really love to not get wet today, and we'd really love to get to the campsite before it gets dark. But please let help us learn what you have for us no matter what. There was a trip I took with uh, five other guys, four other guys, and normally when we do a trip, we start at base camp and we do a circle. You know, we do a loop and come back to base camp. And I decided to make it a little tougher, and I did a one-way trip. So we got dropped off about 100 miles from base camp, and we had to go all the way across the park to, to get out. Second day, it started raining like, you know, like it's rained here for the last couple of weeks? For like three hours, it rained like that. And you think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, remember, we're in a canoe on a, on a big lake, and the wind's blowing up, and you're, we're getting soaked, and our clothes are getting wet, and... It, it, it was raining sideways. It was raining so hard. And we're on big trout, and we said, we have to stop. We have to stop a couple hours early because it's just too dangerous out here. So we pulled off, and there was no way to build a fire that night because everything was, so, was wet. And so I said to the guys, just go to your tents, get dried off, and pray. And one guy says, I think we need to go back to where we got dropped off. And I said, we can't. There's nobody there. We have to go forward. They're expecting us there they're expecting us at Camp Victoria, not at Canoe Lake. We, we got to keep on going. And so I went to my tent. I was tending a, by myself that week, and I got dried off and said, Lord, please help me. This is unbelievable. I'm in charge of these guys, and they're, they're looking to me. Please help us. Please align my will with yours. But I, this is my will. I want to get out here safely. The next day we got up, and God answered our prayers with a yes. The sun was shining. Uh, we portaged 
a portage where you put the canoe on your back and walk. So every portage we got off and put the canoes in the water, the wind was at our back, every single one. No matter if we're going north, south, east, or west, the wind always turned and pushed us. And we got to the campsite that I wanted to get to that day a couple hours early. And we got there, and what a conversation we had around the campfire that night to see how God had answered our prayers. That day he chose to say, sure, I know that you can learn best by me giving you what you need and what you're asking for. Often, that doesn't happen that way. We have to pray, please align my will with yours. And sometimes it's, it is, sometimes God says, okay, you need to learn through the rain. You need to learn because you run out of food or you lose your food or you get hurt or whatever. That's a pretty easy prayer to pray where you're in Canada. That's not a big deal because you're just going to get wet. Or maybe your back's going to be a little sore. Or someone's going to have to help you carry your canoe. It's, it's, that's, that's pretty easy prayer to pray in Canada. But come back home and pray that prayer in the circumstance that you're dealing with here. It's a whole new story. And that's what these wilderness trips are all about. Preparing us and teaching us how to handle the things that God has for us here. It's a lot harder to pray, please align my will with yours when it's your grandchild who's got a sickness that might, might take their life. Can you pray this prayer when it's your favorite grandfather or uncle who's got cancer and might not make it? Can you pray, please align my will with yours if you think your wife or your daughter or your sister-in-law might lose the baby or can't get pregnant and is infertile? Can you pray this prayer, Lord, align my will with yours, when we're waiting for a pastor at our campus. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you're like, okay, God, are my prayers ineffective because please align my will with yours. And God's saying, man, I've got something better for you. I want you to learn this. I want you to learn whatever it is. Can you be, can we be willing to pray this now when we're in these type of circumstances? In just a few minutes, we're going to watch a video from a couple who went through some really hard times, and their answer to this question was, yes, we can do it. See, the first key to powerful, effective prayer is this. Next slide. Pray God's will. The second key is to obey God's will. Now, I suspect that some of you will read this and say, obey God's will. I can be the pastor. I can say that. Man, that's pretty simple. We're told all the time, obey your parents, obey this, obey that. Yeah, obey God's will. On the surface, that might seem like a confusing statement because it is so simple. Sure, it's simple. But is it easy to follow and obey? It might be a little more difficult than we think. Consider some of these verses here on the screen. If I had not confessed sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Next slide. And when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. These verses are telling us this. We need to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. In order to have an effective, powerful prayer life, you've got to have a right relationship with God and we have to have a right relationship with others. It's not either or, it's not one or the other, it's both. You cannot have one without the other. Plain and simple, 
We cannot have a right relationship with God if we refuse or do not have a right relationship with others. And I, word the, I use the word refuse because I know where I'm going and I'm going to share something with you. Let's look at Mark 11:12 one more time. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, okay, do some research in your mind right now. Have you forgiven them? If you have not, you need to forgive them so that God may forgive you of your sins. See, when we do not forgive other people, it negatively impacts our relationship with God, which in turn negatively impacts our prayer life. Jesus says you should not expect a powerful, effective prayer life if you can't obey me by living a life of obedience, more specifically, offering forgiveness to other people. It's kind of like this garbage can that I drug over here while you were watching me. Okay, we have this garbage can, and um, these bags represent sin. And every time we sin, it goes into our lives. And we keep on sinning, and our life soon gets filled up with garbage. And you know something? Garbage stinks when you leave it set around. Sometimes I'll come in on a Tuesday, and no one's been in here in a building. It gets hot, and there's been food served on Sundays, and it stinks in here a little bit because the food has matured, so to speak. And so what do we do? We ask God to forgive us our sins, and He empties it out. And so our life is pure and clean again. But the problem is... Sometimes we put the lid of unforgiveness on. And when the lid of unforgiveness is on our lives, he can't. What are we going to do? God says, if you have unconfessed sin, I, I can't hear you. If we refuse to forgive, God will not forgive us. How hard is it to forgive other people? But you say, listen, you have no idea what they said. You have no idea what they did or what they didn't do. They hurt me so bad, I just don't know if I can forgive them. I get it. But what did Jesus forgive you of in your life? It is so very hard to forgive other people. But I have to remember what Jesus forgave me of of my life. It is so much more awful than what I'm refusing to forgive them of. Let me give it to you. Let me break the tension. A lady died and went to heaven. And she got to the pearly gates, and there was St. Pete. And Peter says, hey, good to see you. You can come. And she goes, yeah, I, I can't wait to get here. Well, how, what do I got to do to get in? And he said, just got to spell a word. What's the word? Just got to spell the word love. Awesome. Sometime later, St. Peter comes to her and says, hey, will you tend the gate? I got some work I have to do with some of the other apostles. Sure, I'll, send, I'll tend it. While she's there, her previous husband comes in. And he says, hey, good to see you. I want to come in. She says, well, tell me how your life has been. Well, you know, after you died, that pretty young nurse that took care of you, we got married, and I won the lottery, and we were able to sell that little house that you and I lived in. We now live in Florida on the, on the Gulf Coast. We bought this boat. We're traveling the world. It's so great. Uh, it's just awesome how, how God has blessed our lives. I'm ready to come in. And she says, well, all you got to do is spell a word. He says, what's the word? Czechoslovakia. Is there someone in your life that you need to have a conversation with and forgive this week? Someone in your family? Someone at work? A neighbor? 
Is there someone in this room that you need to talk to and forgive? Someone who used to become the church here that, man, could it be that unforgiveness has put a lid on your prayer life and caused them to be ineffective and not powerful? Matthew chapter 5, here it is on the screen, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you were offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and reconcile them and then come and offer your gift. There are few things more freeing than having an empty trash can. Powerful, effective prayers are people, are men and women who pray God's will and they live in obedience to God's will. They are forgivers who have been forgiven. I want you to listen. I'm going to go back and we're going to reread Matthew chapter 6. It's going to clearly and succinctly tie these two key requirements together. So follow along on the screen as I read it. Then, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the first one. Pray God's will. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's point two. Obey God's will and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's how Jesus clearly and succinctly says, pray God's will and obey God's will. Earlier I explained how my prayers in Canada has transformed my prayers here at home. Praying for what we want, praying for what I want, but also praying that God's will will be accomplished and that we will learn from it and glorify him through it. I mentioned earlier about a video. So we're going to show a video here. I'm going to let the guys get it queued up. We're going to show a video of how this couple clearly and succinctly prayed for God's will in their lives. Now, I got to warn you, you're probably going to need tissues. So go ahead. So January 3rd, 2021 started off as basically a normal Sunday. I was kind of winding down the day, getting the kids ready for bed, and uh, and that's when I heard my wife from the bathroom say, Brian, my water just broke. She was 38 weeks pregnant, so we knew, you know, it could be at any point in time. And so we took off down the interstate towards Wilkes-Barre to the hospital. At that point in time, that was my biggest concern was whether or not we'd make it to the hospital. So once we got to the hospital, um, Brian and I had been discussing baby names like <laughs> all night long. And at that point, like he's like, I really need to take a shower. So um, I was like, all right, you go take a shower, but don't forget to think about baby names. <laughs> so he's like, I will. As I was coming out, I heard the voices in the room kind of change. And uh, they, ch- they changed tones to where I could tell like something's going on that's not quite right. Finally, the doctor came in and she said, the baby's heart rate has dropped, we need to do an emergency C-section. And I said, okay, you know, whatever you need to do. And they took her, they wheeled her into the operating room. And uh, of course, at that point in time, I had to stay in the room. It was a few minutes later and I heard on, you know, the hospital loudspeaker, they started shouting out, code blue, code blue. And, um, and then it was just like a rush of nurses and doctors going in. And I didn't really find out anything for probably about 45 minutes before Lainey's doctor had come in to give me the report to say that Lainey was okay. The surgery went well and they got the baby out. And um, I remember asking, I said, I heard a baby crying um, shortly after you took her into the operating room. Was that my son? 
And uh, she said to me, no, um, your son didn't make any noise. His body was very limp. That's all she could tell me. The nurse came in and said, your wife's coming out. You can meet her in the hallway and go towards the, the recovery room. And uh, this doctor came to give a report. He said, your son um, was born without a heartbeat and he wasn't breathing. And he and the other neonatologists had worked for over 15 minutes to be able to resuscitate him. And, um, and at that point, there was this mix of emotion of on one hand thinking like relief that my son was alive at that point and and on the other hand recognizing that this was still a very critical situation he told me that he's he needs to be life flighted to Danville Children's Hospital and then he went into they have to put him on this special treatment to preserve his brain it won't reverse brain damage but it will prevent further brain damage from happening the first thing I remember hearing was, ma'am, your son is alive. I didn't know, you know, really what that meant. And so um, my first question was, is he going to live? And Brian said, we don't know. So at that point, I felt like this intense feeling of like just wanting to panic. But at the same time, I felt like the Lord just gave me such a, a calmness and a, a strength in that moment. Just his presence was so near. We went to the recovery room and, you know, we waited to find out more. They said that, that they were going to bring Silas to us so that we could, uh, we could see him before he took off in the helicopter. They finally brought him in in this little box uh, with all kinds of tubes and cords and stuff attached to him. And, you know, I was so grateful to see him at that point. Um, we saw him for about 30 seconds before they just said, we need to go now. Um, like, we got we to gotta get him. To that, to his care in Danville, they came and they, uh, they, they got Lainey ready, and she went in the ambulance, and then uh, I followed behind in our car. I, I guess I can easily pray, kind of more reserved, or, or almost giving God a way out, like God, if it's your will, would you do this or that, or God, um, you know what's best, and I trust you, but if you, if this is what I want, please do this, you know. But, but in that moment, um, in that drive, my prayers were different. It was maybe even came across as demanding, um, but it was like God wanted me to pray that way, where it was like, God, you need to save my son. You need to heal him. You need to make sure that he stays alive. And um, just praying in a way that was bolder than I think I'd ever prayed before. It was from this point of just complete surrender, um, saying, God, you can do something. I can't, so do something. We had reached out to, to just ask people to pray for us. And then the texts and, and stuff started coming in, just people telling us, hey, we're praying for you. And uh, it really did make a difference, I think, for us. And just knowing that we weren't alone in this, um, like God was there, but also man, there was there was an army of people behind us that were, uh, that were praying for us and for our situation and for our little boy. I felt like with so many people praying for us that I felt like there was like two teams. I felt like there was the doctor team and the nurses team that was working on Silas and I felt like there was a prayer team that was praying for Silas and I felt like they were both working together for this little baby. So when I got to Danville, I was um, checked into my room and they told us that we could go see Silas. Um, he was on like full support oxygen, but even at that point, um, it wasn't enough and his oxygen levels weren't where they needed to be. and. Um, 
the doctor was explaining to me that you know his kidneys weren't working his his liver wasn't working correctly there was all these organs that like weren't working because it just they just couldn't get enough oxygen and i remember looking up at the monitor and seeing like yeah it's not enough it should be at like 99 or 100 and it was at like 79. People asked, how can we pray? I said, just pray that his oxygen levels would increase. That night we prayed, we were texting people just to let them know, you know, and uh, the next morning, uh, it was pretty early in the morning that we went and uh, went to go see him. And uh, I was able to go look and see the monitor and see the oxygen level that we had prayed for and to see it up at like 100%. And um, to visually see an answered prayer right before my eyes. It was like every time we showed up at the NICU, something had improved, or or they had weaned him more off something. You know, it was just like, it was incredible to have a front row view of, of answered prayers, um, knowing that there was thousands of people praying for him, thousands of people. So after seven days, they did an MRI, and um, they came back completely normal. They were shocked that there was nothing that they could see. At first, I mean, I don't know that we knew how to process that information, um, but we got up and we just started hugging them and celebrating and, the, you know, like, um, they just kept saying, it's a miracle. And, uh, like, yeah, it was a miracle. <laughs> and uh, for everything that he went through, you know, those, like, 15, 16 minutes without oxygen, and uh, for him to come out with his brain clear and this little healthy boy is just like, uh, you can't, we can't put words to it. It's, it. it's God answering prayer after prayer and doing miracle after miracle. In previous trials, I haven't um, experienced God's presence so closely to me because I have resisted him or um, been even angry sometimes feeling that he's maybe apathetic or um, just didn't care about me as much. The Lord has been taking me on a journey of teaching me just how much He loves me and cares for me. And so when this happened, I just completely leaned into Him and believed that He was good, no matter the outcome, that He was going to be good. And um, that was just such a huge encouragement to me, and it helped me um, get through those days. Well, the reality is that, you know, not all stories have a happy ending. I guess the choice is to lean into his presence, um, to continue to pray, to continue to just trust him, knowing that the outcome may or may not be the way that we want it to be. But yet at the end of the day, he's faithful and he is good. We know that from the word of God and, and you look at the examples in scripture that not all their stories turned out great. And yet God was faithful through it all and God was good through it all. Did you catch what she, he and both mom and dad said? No matter the outcome, God is good. What an incredible testimony of prayer. You know, powerful and effective prayer isn't reserved for people going through really hard times or pastors or missionaries. It can be you, it can be me. Powerful prayers, effective prayers can be prayed by you. Even in the hard times that you're going through, can we say, please align my will with yours? So like I said last week, how do we wrap up a prayer sermon? Because it has to be about life transformation, not about information. Last week I said, pray for 15 minutes a day. How'd you do on that? 
someone suggested this morning or late just earlier, someone suggested pray we're in the in the shower. That's about four minutes. You know, how are you, how'd it go when you found a found a place to pray? Did you find someone you, you stopped praying for that's far from God and started praying for them? This week I have a couple other things. We have that day of prayer. There's gonna be people back there. We're gonna have a list to pray for. That would be a great way to kick off and get started these powerful, effective prayers. I also want to invite you to grab a book. We have a book called Praying the Bible. There's like eight of them back there. We can get more if you need them. This is a great way to just re-engage prayer through the scriptures. One last thing, I want to close with this. Do you have a lift of unforgiveness that's blocking your effective prayers because you need to go talk to someone this week? Is there someone in this room, is there someone in your life that you need to go and say, listen, I've been holding unforgiveness over, my, over you and I need to ask you to forgive me. Who do you need to go talk to this week? See, prayer is more than a conversation. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this powerful story from this couple. Even during the hard time, they said, God, you know what we want. He even, the, the father said he even demanded it. But he also said, we want you to give us what's best. We want our son, but we want you to give us what's best. I pray for my friends in this room. I pray, Father, that if there's unforgiveness in our hearts that we need to get rid of, that we would take the courage, take the step to do that. Do that today. Do that this week. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to serve you. In Christ's name, amen.